0: You guys can be seated. Uh, want to invite our school-age kiddos uh, to the back uh, for their time uh, with Miss Jamie, I believe, today. going to be a great time back there with them. Sorry, You good? You good? Got your stuff? Okay. I might play. I don't know. We'll just see. Um, hey, we're going to be in Philippians 4 if you want to turn there in your Bibles. Philippians 4, right in the first verse. Uh, in case you don't know, my name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here at Covenant. Uh, excited to be with you guys this morning in God's Word and in worship. Uh, we've been in Philippians now for, what, three or four months, I believe. Um, and we're in the home stretch right here. Um, I believe Luke's going to wrap us up maybe next week, possibly. Is that right? Yeah, next week. And so um, then we're going to start Advent. But I'm going to be in verse 1 today primarily. Um, will you please stand with me? As we read from God's Word, Philippians four. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love, who I long for, for my joy and my crown, stand firm. Thus, in the Lord, my beloved, the Word of the Lord. You guys can be seated. So I've been in this verse um, all week long, this one verse, and it's kind of a connecting verse, and it has stuff before and stuff after that we're going to get to today. Uh, but this verse, this small little verse, uh, has done a number on my heart the past few days. But I want to start first with that first word. That first word says, therefore. And when you see therefore in your Bible, you always go backwards. say, so, okay. What is the therefore referring to? And you see it right here in verse 20. What he says here in verse twenty, in Philippians three twenty, but our citizenship is in heaven. So what our our friend, the apostle Paul, is saying, because we are in a different plane of existence, because we're in a different, we're under a different kingdom rule, we live differently. Because we're different citizens of a different king, things are different for us, therefore. And I want to start today with this. Because today we're going to talk about this idea of spiritual family. uh, Of what it means to be a spiritual family. And the first thing I want to say, in God's kingdom, there there are no orphans. Amen? In God's kingdom, there are no stragglers. In God's kingdom, we're all adopted, friends. No one's left alone. In God's kingdom, we are the family of God. And we have the greatest father, and we have okay, brothers and sisters. (laughs) But we are a family, and we are not alone anymore, friends. We are not orphans. No matter what's happening in your nuclear family, your worldly family, your worldly relationships, in the kingdom of God, in this citizenship, we have inherited a great right and a great family. And hear this today, friends. I mean this, and I believe this. That is a reason to celebrate. Friends, we're not alone. Man, we live in a world that is fractured. We live in a world that's hard, that's isolated. But the church, God's kingdom, the citizens of heaven, we are not alone. We are one and we are a family. And that means something. Because God has not just saved us from eternal wrath. He has saved us into a family, into a new way of life. And I will tell you, friends, studying Philippians... And even this verse right here in particular, and even Paul's other letters, hear this. Paul, like, really believes in spiritual family. Like, like Paul ups the game. So I was watching uh, this documentary a few weeks ago with Tracy about the 2012 basketball team, uh, American team um and they had lost the gold four years before and they were called um the redeem team and it was like lebron and uh carmelo and, and kobe and all the young guys lebron all of them they were in vegas practicing and they all went out all night long they were partying doing the thing came back to the hotel at four in the morning and they see kobe in the lobby but kobe's sweating already in the lobby like, Kobe, what are, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm training right now. And they're like, whoa, 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 what? We've been partying all night to, and, and you've been training. And from that point forward, the rest of the players, they stopped partying and they started training with Kobe because Kobe, he upped the level. And friends, as you study our friend Paul, Paul ups the level of what it means to be a spiritual family. And and I'll just challenge us with this. As the conviction in my heart this week And I love that last song because it says this phrase, and step by step, he will lead you. And friends, we have many steps to take to become the kind of spiritual family that's not just commanded, but hear this, it's promised. Because being a spiritual family is not just like a burden or a thing to do. Being a spiritual family is a great reward for us. And friends, Here's the, the, the phrase I had I had this week. It's just, I want more for us. Do you want more? Friends, do we actually want, do we just, here's the deal. If we just want to show up and just kind of like do a religious thing and, and leave and go home, we can definitely do that. But friends, like I desire for more. Let me pray for us. Father, enlarge our hearts today. Let your word speak to us today. Father, I request and I ask that we, as a spiritual family, receive encouragement and nourishment from each other. I ask that we as a spiritual family would be light in the midst of darkness. Father, please do a work in our hearts. We love you, Jesus. Amen. And I, I will tell you, um, post-pandemic, a couple of years ago, there was this thing called COVID. And um, post, we, we ended up having this like excuse, and I, full cards on the table. Um, I am an introvert. And so like canceling plans is probably like, my favorite hobby in the world. Like you're know, like, oh, that kid. They've got a cough. Ugh. We can't be there. I'm sorry. Uh, full disclosure: that is how God has wired Jason Wood. Or in some of my sin, I've learned to like step away from people. And, and has COVID not been the best thing in the world for that? Is that terrible to say? I'm sorry. But there. So here, here's what's happened over the past two, three, four, five years, with the rise of social media. The rise of technology in a way that like you can watch anything in the world on your TV at any time. And then the rise of the pandemic where you're like you're told to stay home. All these things have gotten in this thing where we're now used to being isolated, aren't we? We we might show up for events, but that routine, uh, that habits, that rhythm of life on life vibrantly, consistently, I believe has waned. It's gotten so easy. Listen, disconnection is now the default, right? If we do nothing, we'll stay disconnected. And over the pandemic, I I saw people kind of go in two different directions. I saw some people, because of the opportunities to kind of be isolated, um, slowly took steps away from the family and ultimately from the faith. Hear this being untethered from a spiritual family is the most dangerous thing you can do spiritually. Being untethered from a spiritual family is the most dangerous thing you can do spiritually. Friends, we desperately need each other, don't we? I need you, you need me. And it's okay to talk to me today as well. I am a person, we can talk back and forth, have a great conversation because we're a spiritual family. Because the king has come and the captain has been set free. We're now free to love and worship and serve and sacrifice and give our lives to the ultimate thing, correct? Our lives have great purpose, friends. So people, to different, I saw some walk away from the faith because they were untethered. But some people in the midst of Just the silence of the solitude wrestled with sin, and they pressed in to spiritual family. And as they pressed into spiritual family, as they kind of put the spotlight on the things to the spiritual family, God did something miraculous, and they saw breakthrough. If you're here last Sunday, you heard our friend Kobe, amen? And our friend Kobe blessed us at how he stepped in and how he found healing. But I will say that there's kind of an elephant in the room. You talk about spiritual family. You talk about being vulnerable, about stepping in. Here's the issue with that many times for many of us, is that many of us do not step in and many of us stay like this because people are the ones who hurt us, correct? People are the ones who hurt us. People in a faith family have hurt us. And sometimes, sometimes tragically, leaders in a faith family have been the ones who have hurt us. And because people and leaders, sometimes parents have been the ones to hurt us. Sometimes spouses or children or best friends. And so what happens is we look up and everywhere we look, we feel like we're almost unsafe because people hurt us. And friends, that is true. People definitely do, can, and will hurt us. But this is also true. God uses people to heal us. And there's no way around that. That to see the abundant life we're promised, to see the kind of spiritual family of brothers and sisters, and the way our friend Paul talks about spiritual family, it's going to require us to step in, with a bit of vulnerability. And I understand that is scary and there's stuff to do and things to work through. But friends, we find healing from each other. That the people of God, the church of God, the family of God should be a family of healing. And friends, I I desire more for us. I believe there is more for us as a church. I truly do. Hear this, the more we learn to live as spiritual family, the more we can become like Jesus. For many of you in this room, the obstacle in the way from you becoming more like Christ is for you to step into a people, to being known, being loved, being encouraged, and using your gifts. That's like the key to unlock for you major spiritual growth. But also hear this, the more our spiritual family looks like Jesus, the more our community will look like heaven here on earth. And that's the hope, isn't it, friends? That's the dream that our schools, that our neighborhoods, that our neighborhood Facebook pages would look more like God's kingdom and less like the dumpster fire it is right now, friends. But if we want to see that, we have to sow a different seed we have to learn a different way but friends there are ways like I used to be able to dunk a basketball I did I did I could dunk a basketball not like great but I could barely do it friends those days are gone and they're dead. It it is finished, as Jesus said. (laughs) It is buried. Um, And the idea of me one day dunking a basketball again is probably over. And that's, and I think sometimes us growing spiritually, or even this even crazier idea of really walking in spiritual family, it feels like it's impossible. But friends, nothing is impossible with God. And here is the challenge today. Here is the declaration today. The king has come. You are set free. Take a step today further into his kingdom, further into his family. Not a thousand steps. Take a step today. The king has come. He set you free. Take a step today. And my prayer is we take a step into spiritual family and that we discover something. We learn something. We're excited about something that is more than we see right now. So in this passage today, in Philippians 4, we're going to see four shifts I want to challenge us to make. Four shifts that for us to really become more of a biblical, spiritual family we must take. First one is we must have a shift in seeing. A shift in the way that we see each other. Look at verse 1. How does it start? Therefore, my brothers he doesn't say my friends my co-workers my buddies my guys who look like me talk to like me he says no therefore my brothers something has happened something has changed they have gone from people they know to a family paul's words here are powerful friend do you understand the way we see each other The way we speak to each other has great power. It speaks to what is real. Keep going in verse 1. He says here, my joy and my crown. My joy and my crown. My two little boys are right there. Pay attention, guys. My joy, and here's the the deal. These boys are my joy and my crown. I, I probably don't think of any of you that way. Is that fair to say? What you see here in Paul's language, it's deeply familial. I mean, it is deeply familial. The way he thinks, the way he sees, the way he feels about them, is just different many times than how I see the church, is it not? And it calls us to this shift in what we see. It reminds me of Jesus' own words in the Gospels. When they're saying, who's your father, who's your mother? And he says, no, not them, his actual blood mother he says no it's those who do my will it's those who follow me because jesus came friends to institute a new family and if we're honest how do i say this we issued a series on parenting and families and i believe in parenting and families but friends there is something that supersedes the nuclear family that's the spiritual family There is a greater reality than even our own nuclear family. And I believe one of the reasons that our nuclear families that we are so tired, that that we are so stressed, that we are so overburdened and overwhelmed is because we have disconnected each other from the spiritual family, from the extended family to help share, carry the load, provide resources, love on each other, and be this different light in the midst of darkness. Instead, we have walled off everybody else among us We take care of our own kids, entertain ourselves, we do this, and we wonder why we're exhausted. But for us to see each other differently, as family, not just as family, but in the way that God sees us. And friends, I want to remind you today that if you put your faith in Jesus, God sees you probably much different than you see yourself, because God sees you with the beautiful righteousness of Jesus Christ, right? He sees you as his perfectly changed and loved son and daughter. And and there's something that has for us to to be a family in the way that Paul describes family. We have to shift in how we see each other. Because many times, what do we see? What's the first thing we see? Our annoying flaws, right? Have you seen how they talk to their kids? Man, their kids are on screens a lot. <laughs> and those wood boys are kind of crazy. Uh, or man, the, the, the way they spend money, God, that's kind of, you know, do they love poor people or they just hate poor people? What, the, what is, well, the, what man, do they actually read their, uh, we see all these things. But for us to really kind of take these steps as a spiritual family, our eyes our first kind of thought has to change. Our first thought has to be my brother, my sister, my brother, my sister. And then second, what could be? With that faithful seed that's planted, what could they do? Do you know the power of calling someone up is? Not just calling them out, and there are times for that, but I mean calling them up of what they could be and what they should be. Friends, my life has been changed three or four times from other men calling me up. Jason, I see this in you. Jason, I saw you do this. Jason, you have this potential. Friends, that is water for dry and weary people. And it should be our first inclination as the family of God. It should not be criticism. Let's be blessers of each other and not grumblers of each other. Amen? But we have to see each other differently. We must shift the way we see. Part of this is seeing somebody from their whole perspective. Like, what happens typically in community, is you see someone and you kind of see how they're wired, their personality, their quirks, the things they say. But as you get to really know them, you see their why. You see the number that their parents did on them. You see how they've been betrayed, and this is why they don't trust anybody. You see their hurts. And if I've learned one thing over the past few years, just seeing people's hurts and still being present is powerful it's powerful to know your love when you're not lovable amen friends that's powerful that's spiritual family that's the way paul sees this church here so there's this shift in seeing and how we see each other but there's more go back to verse one and look at paul's language here He says, therefore, my brothers, this familial language, he says here, whom I love and long for. Well, now we're getting into like love letter type stuff here. Who I love and long for, my joy and crown. Says, stand firm, thus the Lord. Listen to this last part. My beloved. And as I studied that word this week, it really means this set apart thing. Like my beloved friend. So in this first part, we see almost this like familial language. The second part is almost like the language of a lover. He longs for them, his beloved. Full disc- I I, I got to tell you something, guys. I, I am not very cool. When I go out of town, I text my wife three million times. I do. And I was like, I miss you, baby. Oh, how are you the kids doing oh I can't wait to be home I, I do it and it's because I genuinely miss her and long for her I don't text you guys that does <laughs> that so make sense but there's something in the apostle Paul's heart friends that we're missing friends that I I'm missing out on like elephant in the room right we don't typically long for each other do we we typically bear with each other. But friends, there's more for us. When we see, so the first shift, this is shift in seeing. Second shift, it's a shift in longing. That the things that we long for change. And through the pandemic, through COVID, we have longed for isolation. We've become addicted to isolation. We become addicted to numbing ourselves through social media and scrolling and Netflix. And all, we, we, we long for the, who wants to go home right now, put on PJs and jump in the recliner, amen? Like we long for those things. But isn't it a hollow longing, if we're honest? It's a shallow longing. It's an unfulfilling longing. There is something deeper and more beautiful about the body of Christ coming together with another. First Thessalonians, Paul says this in chapter 2. This is the language of Paul. He said, Since we were torn away from you, my brothers, for a short time, in person but not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. So the, the message of Paul's ministry is this longing to be with God's people. But but let me tell you what destroys longing. Actually, my friend Bonhoeffer says it best. Let's look at this quote. He says, the person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. Friends, your unrealistic expectations of people will always destroy your desire for people. He says here, the person who loves those around them will create community. Friends, we are not called to, if we're honest, we all have this ideal of what our friends look like, what our church should look like. If you go to a small what that should look like. There's no kids around. Um, they all laugh at your jokes. They all love your cooking. It's all these things that are primarily, for honest, about you. But the family of God is not about us. The family of God is about our Father and loving each other. That's our primary role, friends. And as we learn to simply love each other, no strings attached, God will do something. But as long as there's no strings attached or there's my concerns are primary, there's always going to be a lack of longing. So what we see here with these first two shifts as far as becoming spiritual is a shift in posture of how we see, how we think, how we feel. But these last two shifts are really a shift in action. So here in verse one, we see Paul use this just very loving language. And we use this phrase in our church called invitation. If you've been here at all, we say this phrase all the time, to become like Jesus. To grow as a spiritual family, you need two things. You need invitation and you need challenge. What that means is this right here. Paul just showed us invitation. My brothers, I long for you. My hope and crown. My That's invitational language. It's inviting into your life kind of language. We need someone in our lives to say, I love you. I'm pursuing you. Come do life with me. We all need that as the people of God. But if we just love each other, and we never challenge each other we're never going to become more like Jesus there's no change so we need invitation and we need challenge and we say here in Paul's words don't we he says my joy and crown here comes challenge stand firm all these great things about you I love you blah 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 stand firm stand firm and then he keeps going as he talks about how to stand firm. So in verse 2 he addresses, there is this conflict in the church. He says, no, 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 we are not people of conflict, we're people of unity. He says, cut, cut that out, we're not, we're not going to do that. And he says this theme of how they're supposed to be, but then he gives them these two different things to do. Let's go to verse 6 of how to stand firm, of how to walk into spiritual family. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Friends, hear this. If you hear nothing else today, hear this. If we want to become a different kind of spiritual family, there must be a shift in how we pray. There must be this shift From apathy to obsession. That's the language Paul uses here is everything. Everything. What things everything. It's a shift from apathy in prayer to an obsession with prayer. It's like we have this great weapon, but we think it's a toy weapon, right? So we never use it. Friends, we have the best weapon in the world, the weapon of prayer. me and luke and jamie went to a conference a few weeks ago and one of the pastors um the things he said have just stuck with it, stuck with me and he said this phrase here what will it take for us to become a people of prayer what's it going to take is it uh, a complete change in how we view sexuality Is it just the erosion of public discourse and knowing how to be, talk to each other in the world? Is it just the rampant crime and poverty in our community? What's it going to take for the church to take prayer seriously? What's it going to take, friends? Look at verse 6 again. He says, bring every request to God in prayer. What he's saying here is whenever any kind of trouble comes, when you see trouble coming, when you feel fear coming, anxiety coming, worry coming, bring it to your father. So my kids do, right? If there's a problem in the house, they come to their father and their mother. They know where to go. There is a clear chain of command. Dad, the toilet's overflowing right now. Okay, let's go fix it. Um, all these things, Right. When trouble comes, we bring it to God in prayer. But here's where I believe our biggest issue with prayer comes. Is we do not let ourselves fully feel the weight and the problems in this world. Here's what I mean. We have learned to be content in the midst of a fallen world. And we have all the tools and the gadgets we could possibly have to numb ourselves, distract ourselves, and manage the pain of the fallings of this world. Here's an example, real honest one for me. Uh, So we were in this family series teaching on technology. I go to this conference, and I have this real yearning in my heart for my household to be different. You ever get that? Like, I want the way that we use screens in our household to be different, I really do. And I have this, and as soon as the weight and the concern gets really heavy, I just turn on football. Does that make sense? Because I don't really, because I've learned to live content with the fallenness. And when we're content in the midst of the fallenness, there's always prayerlessness. And so, friends, what I'm going to humbly put in front of us is we have to learn how to, like, let things sit. To let hard things sit. Friends, I want to remind us lovingly that in our neighborhoods, in our offices, there are people who are far away from God. Who were miserable in their sin. But we are so distracted because we're like looking at memes and YouTube videos and these things that we just distract ourselves from the dumpster fire of the pain of this world. And if we never feel the pain, we never feel the burden, we never go to our knees. And for this to be spiritual family and not like a hey buddy family but I mean here's a better word a supernatural family friends y'all desire that a supernatural family our God still does supernatural things our God still heals people supernaturally and I I desire for this more and more but there's so much work to do I think maybe the greatest thing we can do as a spiritual family is to not numb the pain. To learn to not numb the pain and the discontent. To let the reality of the fallenness of ourselves, of each other, of our world really take root and lead to such a pain that we have to pray. That we're so burdened by this that we have to pray. Pray. That we're so caught up in the lostness of our neighbor that we have to pray. That we're so caught up in destroying our sin and seeing our selfishness that we have to pray. That we're so wrapped up in seeing our kids become more like Jesus in a dark world that we have to pray. Friends, what is it going to take for us to become a people of prayer? But there's hope. Let's go to Matthew 26 because I, I think we see here in this passage that we are similar to Jesus' friends. This is really a tragic story here that as I read this every time, I'm just, I see myself and his followers, and I'm so sad for Jesus. Jesus here is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing his hour has come. His darkest hour. Think about your darkest hour and just the pain and despair that you feel. And And our Savior was feeling this, and he asked his friends to just pray with him. Look at the 36. He said, then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. He said to his disciples, sit here, just sit here, not build a table, not do this, just sit here. While I go over there and pray. Jesus desired the presence of friends. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful. You hear the pain in his voice. Even to death, remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and he prayed. Saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Again, for the second time, I'm sorry. And he came to the disciples in verse 40, and he found them, what did he find them doing? Sleeping. He found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch this for one hour? I hear Jesus say this and he's talking to me. He's talking to you. He's talking to us. I paid the price, the ultimate price to to set this world free. And I've given you, church, this role as ambassador in my kingdom. Friends, I am not smart and I'm an ambassador in the kingdom of heaven. I've given y'all this role. And there's work to be done. And he sees us asleep. He sees us asleep. Family, it is time to wake up. Jason, it is time to wake up. We see the problems in the world and we have the weapon. Friends, what's it going to take for us to become a praying people? There must be a shift in how we pray. Listen to the words of Jesus here, though, in verse 41. He says, The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. We would all admit that, right? That the flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. And it goes to our last shift. It's a shift in focus. Look at verse 8. In Philippians 4. He says to pray about all things. And he says, finally, this is my last big piece of advice. Brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things friends, to become the kind of spiritual family that we hope to become, there must be a shift in our focus. There must be a shift in our focus. It's this shift, right? It's a shift from noise to beauty. Like noise, if you just wake up every day and live your life, you will live a life focused on noise. And I will argue, focused on nothingness, right? Right? We can fill our lives full of nothingness by just waking up every day. Or there can be an intentional shift to what is beautiful. To focus primarily on the person and the work of Jesus. There is nothing more praiseworthy. This is John 15, isn't it? Uh, Abide in me and I in you and I'll produce this fruit in you. This is Paul in Corinthians saying, behold the image of Jesus and you'll be transformed from one degree of glory to another. There has to be this tangible shift in focus. But focus on the beautiful. Focus on the eternal. Focus on the weighty, on the deep, on the memorable, on Jesus. It happens in silence and solitude. It happens in silence and solitude. I'll add one S to that. It happens in the slow. Silence, solitude, slow. If there's noise, if there's rushing, if there's hurried, we are not going to focus. We're not going to see. We're not going to hear what is beautiful. And friends, your souls, our souls, are starving for what is beautiful and real and right. Amen? We want something more. So we talked about the the shift in how we see each other. Uh, The shift in how we long for each other. And and full disclosure, friends, if you just hope those things to happen, say, I just want to see my brother differently and I want to long for them differently. It's never going to happen. But these last two shifts... The shifts in prayer and the shift in focus are what we call spiritual disciplines. And our friend Dallas Willard says this that disciplines are activities and our power. Like we can rise early and be with God, that we engage in to enable us to do what we cannot do by direct effort. Like, for example, when I actively engage in the discipline of prayer and silence and meditation, it enables me to love you in a deeper way. Isn't that true in your own life? Gathering with the body of Christ is a spiritual discipline. You're going to leave here with a higher capacity, a higher spirit feeling to go and to love others. But here is the problem, is our disciplines are woefully insufficient. But what's the great song we sang earlier? Step by step, he will lead you. Step by step, he will lead you. Here's the thing. We cannot do these things in our own power. Think about the command to love your enemy. Right now in your mind, think about the one person who you just would say is your enemy. Put him in your head. Unless it's me, don't don't put, don't put me in your head. Put him in your head. You do not have the capacity to love that person in your own strength. But friends, if you spend the next month in silence, solitude, and meditating on the words of Christ on the cross, it says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. A month from now, your love for them will be supernaturally different. Because the disciplines are this almost like superpower we have where we plug into him And he produces the deepest desires of our heart. What's Matthew 6, right? Seek first what? His kingdom. And all these things, all the things the deepest parts of you desire will be added unto you. But friends, it always begins with the unseen. Like the super Christians you know, they're they're not super Christians at all but where their their power source is found in the unseen. It's in the closet, it's in the car by themselves, it's in the private disciplines of the faith that they are cultivating this supernaturally different kind of heart. This is how Paul says in Galatians, Galatians 6, he says this, verse 8, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit for will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are the household of faith. To live as a spiritual family in a way that Paul experienced spiritual family it will require us to sow disciplines of the spirit. Luke said, if you said grace is not opposed to work, it's opposed to earning. It makes sense. Like we weren't saved. It's like, okay, we're done now. No, we're called to strive for holiness. Now we're set free. The burden's lifted, but we're called to pursue more. So in lot of these four shifts, the shift in seeing, longing, prayer, and focus, I want to put in front of us today three disciplines, three steps to take this week that can help us grow in those four shifts. The first discipline, the discipline of sacrificing our time. Listen, to see God do these things you have to literally physically create time in your schedule and there is no greater resource we have to steward than time you can make more money you cannot make more time this is this is the discipline of creating margin so you have time to breathe friends just one little word for us we are too hurried i am too hurried we are too busy we need to set out time so we have time to breathe. Second, we need time together. You need people in your life on a weekly basis who are seeing your face, who are hearing your voice, who are seeing your body language, who are sharing a meal with you, that are going to encourage you, and going to challenge you. Listen to see each other differently. We want to have that shift, or to shift in longing for each other. We have to have time together. It's just it's just that simple. There is no other way around this, friends. Is that we have to make time for one another. This point of sacrificing your time. Second discipline. This point of prayer. This point of prayer. What's it going to take for us to become a people of prayer? And if you're not sure how to begin, how to pray or what to pray or where to start, um, here's what I encourage you to do. Fill out your card. Just write uh, help with prayer on your card. And this week we'll follow up with you and we will give you ways that you can start praying. Uh, a way I know that me and Luke pray is morning, midday, evening, up and out. And in the morning I pray for my relationship with God and what he's doing in my life. Uh, a midday, I, I pray for our faith family. In the evening, I play. I pray for uh, friends and coworkers co- and neighbors, those kind of things. I, pr- I move out in my prayers. And so it's just a very simple way to pray, friends. Last discipline, the discipline of silence, silence and meditation. I think we have been taught to read God's word. That's a good and a right thing. Please do that. But there's something different about solitude, silence, and deep meditation. And here's what I'll tell you: memorization leads to meditation. If you want to think deeply on the scriptures, and as we see in Psalms 1, it's this muttering all day long of God's ways and God's words, then you must know the God's word in your heart. Find ways to start memorizing God's word. Whether it's one verse or a passage, to hide these things and to meditate on these things. That is the richest practice that I personally have, is to memorize God's Word, and throughout the day, just repeat it all day long, all day long, all day long. I would encourage you to start with uh, Matthew 5, Surround the Mount, the Beatitudes, the way of Jesus. Just, just start right there, learning those things. Have those hidden on your hearts and on your mind. Friends, the more we learn to live as a spiritual family, the more we become like Jesus. And the more we become like Jesus' spiritual family, the more our community looks different. And that is the hope, that is the prayer. I don't want anybody to to be here today and feel like overwhelmed or discouraged, but here is the phrase I start, I want to end with. Um, The King has come. The King has set us free. The King is inviting to take a step into his kingdom into his family what is that step for you today let's pray uh dear father thank you for your word thank you for uh the example of spiritual familial love the person of paul father where we fall short today lord we just lay all these things at your feet Father, let there be conviction, but do not let there be shame today. Lord, give us, let your kindness lead us to repentance today and give us the courage to take a step today. Make our step of obedience very clear, Father, and help us have the courage to take that step today. We love you, Jesus. We pray all this in your name. Amen. We're now going to move to a time of communion where we come to the table and we're reminded that it's not our works, but his works, correct? And so um, this is not closed communion. You don't have to be a member of our church to take this. We do actually be part of God's family to take this communion. Um, but when you're ready, come take in the body and the blood. If you want somebody to pray, we have our prayer team in the back. If you want to pray with somebody. Um, talk to God when you're ready